0: Hi there, welcome to episode three of This Is Lit, a podcast where we'll be discussing all things literature. My name is Emily and joining me today is the lovely Prue Baker. How are you going, Prue? Not too bad. How are you, Emily? I'm well, thank you. And we also have Sean Clark with us. Hello, Sean. Hello. (laughs) Hi.
1: (laughs) How are you? Are you good? Are we excited?
0: So excited. Yay. (laughs) All right. Um, So, as you may know, if you have been listening, um, over the last couple of episodes, we've been discussing The Longest Memory, which is one of the Year 12 texts that we're currently teaching. Uh, We've looked at the context, characters, themes, uh, some quotes, which none of us knew. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But anyway, so this is all actually part of a comparative study, which means that it's been paired with another text which explores similar ideas and issues. And that second text is what we will be talking about today. So it is an Australian play called The Seven Stages of Grieving by Wesley Enoch and Deborah Mailman. Um, And I guess today we're just kind of going to be giving it a bit of a general overview, uh, which will be followed by just a general discussion about the play and its context and that sort of stuff. Um, Yeah, so before we begin, I do just kind of want to preface this by saying that none of us are um, particularly, like, confident discussing this part of history. Like, it's not something that any of us have, like, um, studied Mm. to a large extent like which is interesting that like at uni I actually like did a fair bit around african-american history but then not the history of our own indigenous people which is yeah interesting yeah, there
1: to was, note I suppose <laughs> yeah there's lots of gaps I feel like especially yeah. now um education as well like I remember um like I didn't really study aboriginal history in like primary school or high school and then these sorts of subjects weren't really offered to us um mm. in in uni or maybe they were and I just didn't take any notice because I Yeah, I don't know. I just haven't, I don't know. I haven't had much, but yeah, sorry Mm. to interrupt. No, no, you're fine. Um, So yeah, I just
0: kind of wanted to apologise in advance for if any of us say anything that's not correct or is offensive without us realising or anything like like that. Um, We are doing our best at the moment to try and become a bit more educated on the history and culture of Indigenous people. But yeah, bear with us and sorry in advance. So with that being said, um, what is the
2: context of this play? All right. Okay, so um, once again, like, we have to go through the context of any kind of text that we study. Um, So to understand this play entirely, you'll need to understand... To some degree, um, the Aboriginal history that it refers to. So this history is long, and it's a dark history. Uh, It spans over two hundred years. So basically, too long for me to sum up here in a thirty-minute podcast. Not that this podcast is all about that, but essentially through um, this play through a relatively contemporary lens. Um, It explores the seven phases of Aboriginal history, which is dreaming, invasion, genocide, protection, assimilation, self-determination, and reconciliation. Um, The play was first premiered in 1995, so I think that is significant as well. So the context of when this play was actually written um, and what was happening in Australia at that time. Um, A few years prior to this, the Australian Parliament passed the Council for Aboriginal Reconciliation Act, um, which was something that was meant to promote the idea of reconciliation or a strengthening of relationships between the white Australians and Indigenous Australians. While this act was intended to be hopeful, reparative, it actually inflamed controversy controversy and um, doubt through the Indigenous communities. So this play... Um, through its tone and its themes and the content, actually ex- explores the idea of this reconciliation um, and how it actually caused Aboriginal people more pain. Um, the writers, Anok and Mailman, uh, vent their frustrations and doubts of whether reconciliation is ever really possible um, for those people who have experienced this horrific and lasting trauma and disadvantage from oppression from colonists. Um so that's basically a really quick summary of the context of the play, where like what it was set, what kind of history it refers to, um, and also the context of, of when it was written. Yeah, cool. That's me.
0: Cool. Very comprehensive <laughs> context. Thank you. <laughs> um cool. So now that we have a bit of
1: background, um what actually happens in the play, Sean? Okay, so I think it's really important to realise that um, the play, although we are studying it as a written word, was obviously designed to be performed, but I think it's really important that we all understand and even if it helps you now Just listening to me talking, like closing your eyes and just imagine the performance space is a pretty intimate performance space. Um, So we're probably dealing with maybe about 100, 150, maybe maybe even up to 200 people in the performance space. Um, And it's a black stage and it's covered in piles of red earth and there's a white border around it. Um, And that's essentially where, you know, this woman, this unnamed Aboriginal woman, um, referenced only as the woman or the Aboriginal woman, takes the audience through a series of 24 really, really short scenes, basically. Um, These scenes go through um, how she's grieving, how her family has worked through their grief of um, how they lose their grandmother, Um, They also refer to her as Nana sometimes as well, so try not to get confused like between those two names for the same character. Um, And she also uh, explains like how um, her parents uh, are affected, or at least her father and her brother I remember reading, um, are affected by basically generational trauma um, that has occurred to the uh, Indigenous population of Australia. Um, she also talks about how concerned she is about her father's death. She, she even references, I think the line is like, oh, um, I'm really worried about dad, uh, dad, he's dead or something. And then like, she then goes on to be like, oh, well, he actually hasn't died yet, but he's just really sick. Um, and how she is like prematurely, prematurely, um, grieving like his loss already, Um, She also goes through her own identity um, as an Indigenous person or an Aboriginal woman um, and just talks about um, the effects of the violence and obviously, again, like the generational trauma that um, has happened to her over the course of um, the play. She also moves on to tell the story of, um, a man called Daniel York. So he was at, he was, this is like an actual historical story about a young Aboriginal man who pretty much became the victim of police brutality. Um, and then the play ends with a march, um, on Sydney Bridge. Um, and, Throughout all of these stories that she's telling about this this Aboriginal life, she kind of goes through the stages of Aboriginal history, so as Peru said before, you've got dreaming, invasion, genocide, protection, assimilation, self-determination and reconciliation. Um, And she goes through all of this during the show and she pretty much addresses a lot of the stage directions called for her. Um, to address the audience directly um, a- as she goes through her grief um, as well. And it's also mentioned that grief and grieving is not something that's done in like a linear form. It's done in uh, complete out of order uh, in the show as well. So, yeah, that's pretty much my sort of summary of the film, uh, the film, the play. <laughs> but yeah, cool. So I, nice. I actually feel like I
0: understand it all a whole lot better now that you've just explained it to me like that. So
1: thank
0: Yay! you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I guess we'll jump into our four focus questions for today, guys. Um, so, first up, I think this is one that Sean came up with. Um, That's Yes. Is, <laughs> and that is <laughs> What is the power behind having one woman tell so many Aboriginal experiences and stories?
1: I love this question. Mm Please tell me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, all right, I guess I'll go first. Um, I think for me, well, a few things. Um, like I feel like it really emphasises the importance of storytelling within the Indigenous culture. Mm. So like she's one woman but she's aware of so many of um, the experiences, experiences of other people um, and that she also like has this responsibility to pass them on to others, like her audience. mm yes that was one take on it
2: oh I was Um, gonna kind of bounce off that and say um in a way I feel like it represents like Aboriginal experience or or that all Aboriginal experiences are every single Aboriginal person's experience so they're all kind of touched by the same sort of grief and um loss um or that sort of um experience so um while she's just one person she's experiencing all this sort of stuff but I think it represents um how everyone has experienced it
0: yes that's like kind of what my second point was going to be but you articulated it a whole lot better
2: (laughs) because I was
0: (laughs) I was like thinking that yeah kind of like shows how so the individual experiences of Indigenous people affect the collective Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So even
0: like you know the funeral and the protest, there's like these large groups of indigenous people that are all like coming together and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I also um, drew like parallels because I'm already. I'm sorry, I'm already doing this talk comparing and blah blah blah. <laughs> um, but I drew parallels with like the like the namelessness of um uh, White. the no no no, no of term. Whitechapel, but also oh. like. Just getting back to the Aboriginal woman, um, she's kind of nameless and is that, you know, uh, I don't know, thinking about power and powerlessness, is that... Wesley Enoch and Deborah Mailman's way of like giving her power or taking power away, like depending on how you look at it, um, because if mm. you look at it in a really pessimistic way, you can be like, oh, well, she's just one in thousands and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Aboriginal-like lives that have obviously been destroyed by um, uh, like white Australians, you know, coming to uh, pretty much ruin their lives. Does that make sense what I'm saying? yeah yeah I think
2: it does yeah. um I think like what I think um while I think giving her a name would actually probably give her more of a character where I don't think that's what um mm-hmm. Enoch and Mailman want mm. I think they want her to represent um the entire mm. Aboriginal mm. community mm. um because like it's not just her story it's Everyone's. their story yeah. yeah yeah and so it's about as Emily said at the start it's about just telling us stories it's telling us or like showing us mm-hmm. emotions or feelings of this whole group of per- people yeah rather than just hers yeah 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 um, absolutely so I think the namelessness in that probably um gives her power her, gives her power yeah like works yeah. to works to her benefit or works mm. to yeah, to make us empathize with not just that not just her but makes us empathize as the audience makes us empathize with um, Indigenous Australians and what they have gone through.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: For sure. Absolutely.
0: Cool. Cool. Moving on, um, Prue's question, which is one that we had already discussed, um, (laughs) maybe a month or so ago. Um, is it effective to study a script of a play without seeing the performance of it? Are we losing meaning or emotional connection to the characters and their stories?
2: Alright, Sean, do you want to go first?
0: (laughs) Sean by the way guys, Sean is a
1: drama teacher. So I feel like I'm gonna get attacked. Yeah, Yeah, I'm gonna attack (laughs) you. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um so why so can you say the question again just so I get it right and, and like pretty much wipe and pretty much wipe wipe the wipe the floor with you guys? (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, all right, to re- repeat the question, so is it effective to study a script of a play without seeing the performance of it? Are we losing meaning or emotional connection to the characters and their stories?
1: Absolutely not. You know why? Because we read the written word first, and so do the directors. So I think that, and with this play, so I'm going to make a very, uh, like, a very specific comment here. So with this particular play, um, Seven Stages of Grieving, I think we don't lose anything at all, um, except for the fact that obviously this play would be much more powerful if we saw it being performed by an actual, like, Aboriginal Australian. I think the rest of all of the merit that this work holds is in the written word itself, is in the symbolism that Enoch and Mailman have put in there with the um, uh, the suitcase and the melting ice block especially. Um, like, there's just so... And, like, we... And everything that 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 um, we would see on the stage has been written into um, the play script itself, so that we can imagine it. So, like you know, the, the description of the performance area that I made at the start of this podcast about this, like the summary of the, like in my little summary of the play, that was described to us described to us in in the script. Um, all of the actions that. Um, Uh, obviously I think the first uh, actress that played this Aboriginal role was Mailman, Um, all of her movements are described in the play and so students and teachers alike can imagine it and can picture it in their head. Um, I think that it also enables students to realise that it's not just there isn't just fiction and non-fiction. There's other forms of text as well um, that they can analyse and draw meaning out of. And also, and this is my one of my favourite things is when students typically study a play. Um, a lot of them never have seen a play before and not not seen like performance like performed. Um, so they, it would open up like a new avenue to them to be like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Like, oh, I've never thought of going to see a play for analytical purposes before or reading a play for analytical purposes before. And, again, a play is just or a script is just a story. Um, and, like, we read stories, like, obviously, like, um, uh, what do we just read? The Longest Memory. And that could very easily be turned into a script. It's just another way of... Learning to analyze, and I think there's so much merit behind it because I think it opens up so many more doors to students and teachers alike. Um, but yeah, did I answer the question at all, or was it just me talking for five minutes?
0: <laughs> no, no, you answered it, but I think you like and I are still going to disagree with it. <laughs> all
1: right, that's fine. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think you've, you've said some points where mm. um, you're actually supporting us, and I was told to the start, and I've actually just forgotten what you've said, but um, <laughs> I right. love it. Um. Oh, the one about students having not seen a play before perform. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So that. Um, yeah, hit I me, think hit me. If they've not seen a play mm. before, trying then to use a play script and then them, I don't think it would help them visualize anything. Mm. Really? Um, I think it was, Yeah. I think, um. Like I think you. I think maybe you're blinded by the fact that you you can visualize a, a production or a play perhaps quite easily. Where somebody who doesn't have that background, I'm up like I've only done drama up to year twelve, um, very probably very poorly and at that. Um, <laughs> oh no! And, stop it. <laughs> um, and so when I read a play script, I don't necessarily put my own little creative touches on but, it, or
1: but I'm not putting any of my creative touches on it. I'm just reading the script and being like, oh, yep, they're saying to go to the left of the stage, so yep, this person's moving to the left of the stage. I don't know. I don't know. I just. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> um, um, pre, well, I just like, don't think. Yeah. yeah,
2: the plays that just dis- not just this play, but play scripts mm-hmm. are that descriptive, or it could be confusing to to visualize the blocking of of a play.
1: Okay. Um, fair, a fair.
2: Yeah. Um, like it's different. It's different in a novel because it would be described. It's it's different, like. Um, it's described to you, or you could just imagine it because you can imagine a real life scenario as opposed to a theater production, especially mm. one that might be a bit abstract, such yep. as this one, yeah, okay,
0: um, yeah, I think too, one of the things that actually makes this play um like more challenging than a lot of the other sort of plays that I've studied is that a lot of it's actually just stage directions. Like the dialogue is quite limited. Like a lot of the scenes are literally just like two sentences of stage directions and maybe, like, a sentence of dialogue. And Mm -hmm. I think that that, for me, made it a little bit tricky to wrap my head around because it is just so much visualisation. Yeah. Mm. So are
1: you saying that perhaps maybe people and students and whoever else is reading this play, if you don't have very good visualisation abilities, then, like, you're already at, you know, you're already, like, two steps behind? Does that make sense? Yeah. Or if you're not familiar with with scripts and theatre.
2: And I think, like, I've read a few scripts before and, like, while I have liked them, when I have seen them being performed, it's just this whole other, like, level of meaning and connection like mm-hmm. for example harry potter and the cursed child i hated the script i hated it and i was like i don't even know i can't see this on stage how it's going to happen because the stage correct directions were super confusing um the actual like what they actually said was kind of lame but when i saw it <laughs> um performed i was like this is one of this is amazing this is just magic so and the things like as well like what i've read like shakespeare oscar wilde that sort of stuff when you see it performed and with the characters, like the actors mm. using tone mm-hmm. with their costumes, all this sort of stuff, mm-hmm. you just get you fall, like fall you can fall in love with it. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So like I think I we're mean, arguing actually,
2: like we're not arguing against the study of a play. No, we're arguing no. just this like just studying the script mm-hmm. rather than a script along with the performance. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yep. and it just sucks at the moment because of obviously uh, COVID uh, nineteen is happening. Um, the yeah. original mm-hmm. plan for like for our school um, was to go in term three and go watch this be performed at the Melbourne Theatre Company, mm-hmm. but now obviously we can't be- because mm-hmm, I think it yeah. would have been I think it would have been incredibly handy for the students to um, watch it. But I suppose suppose the only thing I can really – and although uh, the Queensland – so the Queensland Theatre Company does um, Seven Stages of Grieving um, and they would have obviously come down to the Melbourne Theatre Company to perform it. um, I suppose the thing that I'm trying to like uh, tell myself is that – like, an, like analyzing a play and studying a play doesn't have to be super, super different from studying a book, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, all we need to get out of it is the plot, the characters, and underlying themes, issues, and ideas. And once we got that, then we've got, you know, a, a, like you've got somewhat of an idea, but I do agree with you, Prue and Emily, I think it does, obviously, yeah, really, especially your point about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Imagine reading like a that world script. of difference. A world. Yeah. Imagine reading. The, oh my god. Yes. Yeah, some of yeah. my friends who read the um who read the screenplay or the script or whatever it's called um they were just like nah, it's going to be terrible don't waste your money oh my god and then when yeah when they came out and saw it um they were like that was the most amazing piece of theatre I've ever seen yeah <laughs> so, I just yeah
2: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I yeah. think but I guess like a benefit of this um a play is sometimes. Like the symbolism in it, in it can be quite obvious as well, mm. rather than yes. in um, a novel. Um yes. So and also yeah, play
1: like, and having the script handy. I mean, uh, like again, it enables you to go back and really study the the written word, the word. like a, yeah. like a book. So that would help as well. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, that would be very important
2: as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Obviously.
1: <laughs>
2: so... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chan. <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> so we'll all agree to disagree on that one for the most part
1: love it, <laughs> I, agree. Love it. I think we I think we can no, no, absolutely no, no no yeah no yeah. you guys made some great points and I totally agree I think yeah I think I am a little bit blindsided by obviously being a drama teacher and a director I think because obviously I see things differently um yeah and I I don't know probably in my uh ignorance naivety i probably think oh, i'm like oh everyone must see it like i do but yeah yeah no I' understand no, 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 no.
2: one point i thought you i had a little um i was thinking about your arguments as well and i, I thought <laughs> you might come out with the fact that some performances like directors take creative license so if you study a performance mm. you're studying that specific one you're not studying the play itself yes. um So i thought that might have been your argument for one um i but, just forgot it <laughs> Um, so I can understand studying a play by itself for that play script, I should say, for that particular reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Because you can't
1: argue with it, I suppose. Like, and you can't really. Uh, yeah, you can't be like, oh, well, this directed it at like this when I saw it here, and but when I saw it over <laughs> here, this directed it at like this. Because um, I know yeah. when I read a script, um, a, the, the play that I'm, or a musical that I'm directing, I'm like, mm, I don't like that. So I'm ignoring that stage direction. Or I'm igno- <laughs> yeah. like, literally, literally. And like, I've been known to like cut out half a song, even whole songs of my scripts. Because I'm like, I don't like that song. Like, <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, so I guess yeah. each performance can be like an adaptation.
1: Yeah. In, yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah for mm-hmm.
0: sure. Cool. Cool. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So question three, my question for you all today is, despite the events of the play being set in the past, what comparisons can you make between the issues in the play and what has been happening around the world recently?
1: Go. All right.
2: Okay. Well, um, (laughs) I think some comparisons from the um, scene called March – Just I think in the scene in the scene it says something along the lines of like they said we were violent or they said we were um, defiant um, defiant Aboriginal march um, that sort of thing and we're not fighting that sort of thing but sorry I think I drew parallels with the Black Lives Matter movement um, how some of the protests over there got some um, negative press uh, because it was seen to be violent and while some of it might have been but. Um, I think that may have overshadowed sometimes, like the importance of um, of these protests, and also, um, yeah, I think just like how people were um, annoyed or frustrated with the protests. Um, but this, I think I'm losing it. But like, um, I yeah, get what you're I think, saying. I mm-hmm. drew a similar parallel. Yeah,
1: yeah. I drew yeah. some when I was reading out. Um, the scene about Daniel uh, York or Yorkie, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that name, um, but uh, I pretty much asked my Year 12s, I said, Year 12, what does this remind you of? Because as we were reading it and like the kids were like, oh, why are all the police getting called? Because like, if you read that story, I can't remember where it is, um but if you read like what number scene it was but if you read it um it, it, and i had to go back over it a couple of times with my students um the entirety of like that whole town's police was like being called to <laughs> these these uh, young men walking around the streets mm-hmm. and it wasn't and it was really interesting because um we also talked about how like there was no mention of them being like drunk and disorderly or anything they were just they were just a large group of people mm-hmm. um yep. And they were like, "Oh, Miss, that reminds me of like the Daniel uh, Floyd, Daniel Floyd, no George Floyd, sorry, Um, George Floyd story about how like he got killed with obviously the um the or murdered should we say um -hmm. with the police officer like uh like uh, kneeing him in the neck was it holding him down yeah Yeah. um and then obviously uh, uh Daniel Yorkie Daniel York um being pretty much." Uh, grabbed. I think it described like he got grabbed and shoved to the ground, and then and then what happened in the end? I can't remember. He either got shot or something. I don't think it actually he told died. us. He, I think what he died. He died in custody. He died yeah. in custody. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um,
2: um, yeah, he was pronounced dead.
1: Yeah, so does um, us how, Just know. that he's
2: dead. Yeah. They took him so, to the hospital, pounding and pushing his limp body. The res- um, resuscitation attempts were unsuccessful and at 7.13pm he was pronounced dead.
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. we drew like pretty much direct parallels with with him and um, George Floyd. And the kid. like my students were just, they were like, oh my god, mm. like holy crap. And I was like, yeah, mm. this is pretty, this is awful. So yeah, yeah. that was, yeah. Yeah, that and like awful parallel. that it's all
0: still so relevant, I think.
1: Mm. It's just mm. so upsetting how history just appears to continuously repeat itself, repeat itself <laughs> and then further yeah. disappoint the uh, human race. Yeah,
2: yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I mean, that was a
2: similar story to um, the story of of a brother, where yes, um, mm. it, the police. It's like an overreaction, like ra- racial profiling. Um, and then a mm. really violent, aggressive reaction from the yeah. police. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah that's yeah. what I got from
0: it. Emily, what did you, did you draw any? Um, yeah, same as you guys. And then yes. I guess just the racial profiling part with the brother. And also like she talked a little bit about it in the stand-up comedy scene where she's oh, talking about yeah. like being in the shop and like everyone's watching her um the sniffer dogs when she goes out to a car and mm. tries to break mm. into it there's police helicopters like just really um mm. uh, really exaggerating like what it's like to be an indigenous person who's being um yeah unfairly kind of discriminated against just because of the yeah. way they look yeah mm. absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah
0: okay so on to question four guys i don't remember who came up with this one was it shan again possibly all right. Well, anyway, in your <laughs> opinion, what was uh, the yeah. most important story told in the performance? Yeah. Right, Shani,
1: you, you go first. Oh, okay. You go first. You Um. So I found. Um. For me personally, I I couldn't choose. So I, I really, uh, I I really liked. So that's a bad way of putting it. I really found um the Daniel York story really important. I'd never heard of that before had you guys ever heard of that story before
0: no and it's a true story isn't it
1: and it's yeah yeah, Yeah. it's a true story I'd never heard of of that being told and I think the fact that um oh this is gonna sound awful and I don't mean it this way but like the fact that it is like absolutely 100% legit um and there's court reports and like the way that it's delivered um you know I think it says in the place in the script Um, you know, delivered in like a toneless court uh, voice. Mm. I think that story was really important because, I don't know, for me personally, that really hit home because obviously I immediately drew parallels to uh, the George Floyd thing. And um, the other thing that I... I I thought um, that was a really important story as well, um, was how the grandmother passing away, how stories that she has, and I never thought about this before, how stories that she has dies with her.
0: Mm.
1: Does that make sense? I'd never thought about that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's actually really sad.
1: It's sad and it's so important and that's why Like, it made me, and this is my ignorance coming out here like with all of all of this um, aboriginal history study but i never thought of that before like i i'm and i feel embarrassed to say that but i just i just was like it was like a light bulb moment for me i'm like oh of course of course mm. that would happen because like yeah i just i don't know i was just really moved by it and i just i thought those two stories in particular i suppose if i had to choose one out of them well it'd be really difficult but probably the grandmother you know mm. yeah. d- pa- passing I, away I, because I, history dies with her yeah totally yeah, I had Nana's
2: story as one of I only, I chose two as well so yeah um, yeah. <laughs> yeah i had so I had Nana's story um as well because uh, along with you sean, um yeah. really touched or it shows really so the significance of um the indigenous community and of family and how important elders are to passing on traditions and the stories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um. They, she said, on, "In the script, it says she took so many stories with her to the grave—stories of yeah. her life, our traditions, our heritage, who I am, gone." Um, so, yeah, the Indigenous—that's um, the Indigenous people—that's how they um, passed on all of this knowledge was through mm. stories, and that's why the elders were so important to them because they mm. were the keepers of the knowledge. Um, and when that's disrupted, when families are torn apart, then that knowledge can't be passed down and so the knowledge is gone um which is really really distressing Mm -hmm. um and in that in that scene as well um so she nana probably would have been um she would have experienced the things like the stolen generation and the white australia policy Mm -hmm. um and she as a person she um shows that her distrust in some of the systems designed to help and protect people so systems. Um, for us, would be we would be very comfortable in confiding in and trusting, um, but for her, things like teaching teachers and doctors and police um, are something that she fears distrusts mm. avoid. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, which is something that we wouldn't be able to relate to.
1: No, no. I would. No, yeah, I certainly wouldn't. Yeah, mm. that's crazy. Mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Great um, point. I also. I also thought March was really important. Um oh, yeah, just of course. because I also yeah. I believe like in the importance of protests um and our freedom to protest. Um yeah. I know that some protests are silly, but um it's important that we do have that that um, freedom. And in this scene, um the <clears throat> the indigenous like the indigenous Australians were finally given some semblance of a voice or of a community like like coming back together, um, yeah. in that they could fight back against the oppression that they've experienced over the last two centuries. Yeah, um, yeah and I think, um, and I th- there was little bits in there that said um, the media. I think I just talked about it before as well. The media making out like it was violent or defiant, um, and that mm. you know people are more annoyed that traffic has stopped than they are annoyed. Yeah. At the- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that you know, Aboriginal have experienced, and like it's a common sort of rhetoric, uh, uh, like amongst protests that people are just so annoyed that traffic is stopped, mm. um, despite like whatever's happening, like whatever the people are protesting about, whether it's you know the treatment of refugees or climate change or um indigenous like um issues, people are just always annoyed because they're going to be late to work or whatever. Mm. So. I think that just hi- highlights kind of ignorance um, in society. Mm. Yeah, I love yeah, it good points. Um, love, it, yeah, love, I guess
0: love it. for me, so I actually don't think that any story told is more important mm-hmm. than the other.
2: Oh, Emily.
1: <laughs> so, oh my god. Here we go. I knew Sorry. I'd say the
2: wrong thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, just blew us out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> Our answers meant nothing.
0: Uh, no, okay, it's <laughs> <laughs> perfectly valid. It's perfectly valid. I think, yeah, for me, I just think it's like the collection of experiences that make this a really powerful play. Like, I don't think that I could really say that, oh, this, like, yeah, the march is more important than the grandma dying or the, yeah, the brother being charged for defending his friend and then getting caught in that cycle is, yeah, more important than the woman not being able to go to the shops without people, like, suspecting her of stealing. Um, I think that, yeah, they're all in their own right, a really important part of, like, us being able to understand the Aboriginal experience as a whole, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And we need to know all of them to understand their experience.
1: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Cool. Well, 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 well. um,
2: we're up to
0: our little, like, game section to finish off the podcast with. So the game for this week, um, (laughs) we each had to select a newspaper headline concerning Indigenous Australians, um, and we're going to have to guess whether it's from, like, the past, so something before the 2000s, or present, so 2000 onwards which is like within the last 20 years okay so yeah we're all gonna say a headline and then everyone's gonna guess whether it's past or present great <laughs> yeah okay
2: all
0: right um all right. i'm happy to go first all right love it all right here we go racist pauline hansen says aboriginal people are disadvantaged by their own negligence oh my god <laughs> past or present <laughs>
1: Oh. Well, it could be. It bro. could be Boris. I don't think she's. Pauline Hanson is a terrible old bitty. <laughs> yep. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say present. Yeah, same. I'm going to go with present.
2: Good job,
0: guys. Mm. It was from February the 12th,
1: 2020.
0: Uh, oh, oh. I was <laughs>
2: Apparently, the yep. only reason I would think it's in the past is because, like, who actually gives her airtime these days? Yep. Like, honestly. Yep. <laughs> who cares what uh, you think? <laughs> mm, okay. God. <laughs> you anyway, know it's getting political. Yep. Um,
1: Do you want me to go, Oh, yep. <laughs> I can go. Um, yep.
2: Ken Wyatt, sworn in as Minister for Indigenous Australians in Historic First.
0: Ooh. present. I reckon. Past.
2: Uh, well, Emily, you're right. It's in God May it. 2019. Wow. Well. An, an Aboriginal man was sworn in and Minister for Indigenous Australians last year.
0: So bizarre. Like how oh. just, oh, I can't fathom it.
1: <laughs> Alrighty. Are you ready, guys? Mine's a bit of a trick. Ooh, Mine's okay. a bit of a, yeah. Um, so just have a think. So again, so just reconfirming. Um 2000s onward is present and then backwards of 2000s um, is past, yeah? Yep. Yeah. Okay, are you guys ready? hmm An athlete's fighting spirit takes flight. Um. Oh. Is this 2000s? Is this about Kathy Freeman? I don't know. I can't tell you that. Is that why it's guess. a trick
2: question because it's in on, it's 2000? Because <laughs>
1: <Okay.
2: laughs> that's the Sydney Olympics? Maybe am I
1: correct? D- no. Well, right. oh, oh, oh. guess, guess, guess. All right,
0: go in. Um. Wait, yeah. I've well, given. now that now that Prue said that, I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> is it like 2000? I don't know.
1: No. Okay. So <laughs> nah. it's actually so interesting. Um, it's past. Um, it was uh June 1994, and it's about Kathy Freeman just starting out. Oh. Um, yeah. her sort of um athletic. Uh, dreams and goals and I just found it really cool because I'm like, oh my god, young Kathy Freeman, I love you. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, it's cute. And yeah, yeah, I designed I designed it to trick you guys, and guess what? I won. <laughs> it worked. It I wonder went. if you would have tricked winner. us if
0: we didn't know. Like if you didn't tell us it was a trick, if we would have been tricked. Oh uh,
1: true. You know what I mean? <laughs> Should we just yeah, go no. back
0: design? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <nah>. <laughs> anyway. All right. Alrighty. That wraps up episode three, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, next week we will be continuing our discussion of the seven stages of grieving and we're going to go into a little bit more depth on characters with this one. So yeah, thanks for listening and see you all next week. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. See you. Bye.